want to pull out your digital message notes, you can do that by downloading the app. You can follow along on your smartphone. Uh, we are in our series, Making Change. And in this series, we're really talking about how to honor God with our resources. And there's four big themes in this series. Last week, Pastor Steve talked about less is more. And so that is a major theme, that God, we're going to live with less. We don't have to have more. We're going to clear out. We're going to pay off. Today, we're going to talk about stress is bad. And really, we're going to talk about is the topic of debt. Next week, we're going to talk about giving is good. And then the last week, we're going to talk about tomorrow matters. And this series is really our attempt to help us align our life uh, with God's view and God's perspective on resources and our money. And so we know this, that God is, is passionate about us putting our priorities light, right in our life. Jesus talked a lot about money, and I, I don't know if you've ever thought about how often he talked about it. Did you know 16 out of the 38 parables that Jesus spoke on had to do with finances and resources? That one out of 10 verses in the Gospels is actually dealing with money and resources and finances? Did you know that that, uh, that equates to over 288 verses that just talk about resources? And in the Bible, there's over 2,000 scriptures that deal with finances and that deal with money altogether. See, Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes we could stick our head in the sand and we say, well, I, I don't really want to talk about it and not sure if that's a subject I want to have a conversation about. Why would Jesus talk about it and us not talk about it? See, he understood this, that really finances and resources, it touches every area of our life. It touches us spiritually. Uh, it touches us uh, emotionally. It touches us in our physical body. Every, every area of our life is touched through finance. Think about this. If you don't have money, you can't provide for your own needs. Spiritually, money, it's not even about the money that, that Jesus talks about. It's the position money has in our hearts. And really, when we learn the right position of resources and finances, that they're the tool, not the goal, then what happens is we learn to love Jesus and worship Jesus through our finances. It's a spiritual act that when we give, it's God, I worship you. It ain't about the money. How many know he don't need your money? Heaven isn't going to go bankrupt whether or not you tithe or whether or not you give. Can I get a better Amen. I know sometimes preachers will say, oh, well, no, no, God ain't broke. He ain't broke. This church ain't broke. Can I get a better amen? We ain't broke. So, so this is what you got to understand is if it's not really about the money that's in my bank account, God, it's about the worship that's in my heart. It's about where I place you in my life. And then emotionally, if you think about it, I mean, finances, they really impact us emotionally. I mean, there's a heavy weight when you're in lots of debt. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you, you feel this weight of the finances. When, when, when you're in a position in your life and you're struggling to pay the bills, how I many know that is a heavy weight emotionally? And there is something for us to understand that if we can say, God, I want to learn your principles. God, I want to ingest and digest your principles. And then I want to apply them in my life. I promise you this. We don't have to live the same way the world lives. There is a better way, and the best way is to not live under the stress, not to live under the weight, not to live under the oppression of debt. I want to show you an illustration of what I'm talking about. Bring that out here for me, guys. So we've got to know this. Today we're talking about stress is bad, and specifically debt being the stress that we carry in our lives, and understanding that as a believer, 
God didn't intend for us to carry debt in our lives. God really intended for us to live in the freedom of having overflow and more than enough. I mean, there are seasons, can, can I, I mean, there are seasons like when you get out of college, like I'm just trying to pay the bills. Like we're just trying to get our life underneath us and you're getting married. and situ- But how many know when you're 60 and 70 years old and you're just trying to pay the bills, there's a better way. That God calls us to say, man, you can live your life in such a way that you don't have to live under the, the weight of debt. And, and really, let me, let me show you what it looks like. So when we're talking about stress is bad, it's the weight of the debt, the stress of debt. So, so in life, we have, it's almost like a backpack. So you and I, we have this ability to add things to our life. And everything that you add to your life adds a little bit level of stress to your life, right? When you have kids... Your life is over. (laughs) This backpack is full. There are things that happen. When you get a job, how many know there's stress on your job? There's stress. There's a lot of stress, Pastor. I need a new job. Those are things that you just naturally carry around. But the challenge is God didn't intend for us to carry the stress of debt with all those other things. And so what happens is when you're, when you're a young man, a young woman, you're coming out, your parents are carrying all the stress in your life. They're paying your bills. They're putting food on the plate. They're helping you have clothes and all that you need to get from point A to point B. But there comes a point in your life where you start to be a man, you start to be a woman, and you start to add things to your life. And so when we look at debt, debt is something that we voluntarily add to our life. It's the pressure that begins to weigh us down, but it's voluntarily. And so you get out of school and you say, hey, man, I'm going to buy a new car. Dwayne, put that, put that car. Because I ain't paying cash, right? I got I to gotta, I gotta finance it. And, and I've had people tell me this. Hey, pastor, man, is whoo, praise God. And I don't, listen, if this is you, don't feel, I ain't hating on you. <laughs> it's a miracle. I bought a brand new car. Awesome. How did you buy it? We financed it. That's the miracle. If they only knew I couldn't pay this, they wouldn't have gave me that loan. <laughs> and so you got someone that's brand new to all this. They, they get a loan for $48,000, about what a brand new car. You know, I, they, no, they, they're young and not so smart, so they ain't going to go get a used car that they pay cash. They're going to go finance the best thing that that finance company is going to finance them. Did you know that if you finance a car, $48,000 at 19, 20% interest over six years, you will pay $81,000 for that vehicle? Oh, but we're going we're gonna to put it in. God blessed us. He blessed me. So you got to have a car, so you add this, and then, you know, maybe you're going to school, you got to get a student loan, and so you say, hey, and I'm not saying these things are not necessary. You got to have a car, right? The question is, how much weight are you carrying around? I'm not telling you don't go get a student loan. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. I remember uh, as a young man, what I ended up doing was I went to the community college because I didn't want to pay full price at the four-year college. And so I just paid it off right here. And then when I got my two-year degree, then I went to the four-year college. But you got to do whatever you got to do. I don't know how much weight you can carry, but the student loan. And then, oh, and at school, hey, baby, all the credit card companies, they just line up and down the halls. Oh, it's free money. Free money. So we get the Visa. We get the MasterCard. And if you're lucky, you get the American Express. Because mm. mom and daddy is rich. Yeah, how much money you make? I don't know. Let me see. What's dad's income? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, 
And so you add it all to you, and they say, hey, listen, you ain't even got to pay it off right now. I mean, you just pay your minimum payments, so you go and do it. But you don't realize that as a student, all these decisions are weighing you down. And so here's the problem with financial stress. You don't even realize you're carrying it because of the finances. You're just stressed out. Whew, I'm tired all the time. Man, it's, whoo, man, I'm going, man, in life is, whoo, man, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm always tired. Why? Because of some of the things we have allowed to, in our life, things that we voluntarily, it's the debt that we are accumulating in our life. But, I mean, think about this. When married couples fight, did you know the biggest topic they fight about is finances? I mean, when you're stressed out, what's it about? It's, it's really about the finances that you're stressed out about. Is that right? I mean, I never heard somebody say, I'm stressed out on which restaurant to go eat at. <sighs> I mean, is it Olive Garden? Is it Perry's? Mm, Churrasco's? Or is it Burger King? <laughs> you know what people stress out about is who's paying for it. Hey, is mom and dad paying for it? Hey, baby, you got a card? How are we paying for this? Right, the decision of where to eat is not, not the, the, the car that you want to drive, that's not a stressful decision. Like, of course, it's going to be the brand new Camaro, the brand new Mustang, the brand new truck. I mean, the, the question is not what car you like or don't like. The question is, how do I pay for the monthly notes? I mean, the question is not what kind of house you like. I bet if I asked all the ladies, hey, what kind of house do you like? She's like, what's well, the spiral staircase? My dream home has a pool with a pool house and got all these etchings and stone. I mean, you, you know that the, the stress comes from when you try to buy that house before you can afford that house. I mean, right? That's the stressful decisions. And so, so here you are now, you add the mortgage, you do buy the house that you can afford. Now listen, I'm not even saying you can't afford it. We ain't even gonna talk about not buying things you can't afford. I mean, you can afford it. I mean, I'm gonna have to work a little bit of overtime. I have to pick up a few second jobs, but listen, I can afford it. My credit's good, my balance is good. You know, I'm, I'm getting, but do you see what happens is you begin to walk through life, you're just heavy. And listen, here's the mentality. Listen, baby, I'm not gonna work hard without playing hard, so let me get a boat. I work hard for this money. Come on, men. I ain't hating on your boat. I'm just telling you about the pressure. You're going to go fishing and dump all that money in the boat because you're going to work hard and you're going to play hard. And the, and the wife is like, hey, listen, baby, you ain't getting the boat unless I'm going shopping. So we're going to get some store credit cards because we really can't afford it. But, you know, all those stores they offer. And listen, this is what I hear. It's almost free. Because if I get the credit card, it's 50% off of this. And so I just, I'm going to buy a whole lot because it'll all be half price and it's going to be almost free. And the, <laughs> you know I'm telling the truth, right? And so look, it's heavy. And listen, we, we, we got to have a vacation, but can't really afford it. Go ahead. Throw that va vacation on there. Whew, man, I'm tired. Man, I'm, man life is hard. And, and then... We wonder why, listen, I'm so tired, but listen, I got the boats. And, and you got to know this, it's not even about how much money you make. I'm not talking about rich and poor. You could be rich and drowning in debt. Why? Because you have a, a certain level of living. It's a certain standard. And so we have all these rich people make tons of money, and they're just, they're drowning in debt. They're hopeless. They're like, I thought the money was going to solve it. Not realizing the whole time they're not following biblical principles that have weighed their life down. I wonder if that's why Hebrews says this. 
says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Strip it off. Just, just, can I just get rid of it? See, now he says, especially the sin that trips us up. And then look at what he says. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before. So, so before he undoes it, if, I, if I'm weighed down, how many know the race of life is hard? I'm a Christian. I love God. He's blessed me. Maybe I'm making more money than I ever thought possible. But I picked up all this weight, and I wonder why I'm just so tired, and I, I just can't, I can't go serve on the dream team. Why? Because i got to go work overtime to pay for all this weight that I voluntarily placed in my life. And so he says, just lay aside. Really what happens is debt becomes a bondage. It's this bondage that holds us back. And, and so you, you think, well, I'm saved. No, you're saved. It doesn't have to do anything with salvation. It has to do with how God wants you to live your life. And that's why Proverbs 22, 7 says this, the rich rule over the poor, the borrower is slave to the lender. See, though we're free spiritually, we are in bondage to our own making. Come on, give Dwayne a hand. <clears throat> We're in bondage to our own making. And so we wonder, we come to church and there's such a heaviness. Now, now listen to me. Let me just say a few things. I'm not telling you debt is a sin. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, debt is a sin. But it does give us this warning. Listen, don't become a slave to the lender. Don't voluntarily give your life to making payments for those things that you want now, but you can't afford now. So, so, and I'm not even going to get in the topic of good debt, bad debt. I mean, that's not really our conversation, appreciating assets and depreciating assets. This is what I'm saying. There ought to be a point in all of our lives that we can stand up and say, my house is paid off. My cars are paid off. I got money in the bank. I can bless people around this world. I mean, just imagine what that would look like. Come on. Imagine what it would look like. You walk up to that $48,000 truck and you say, yeah, I want it. Oh, well, sir, how would you like for us? Let me run your credit. No, baby, I got money, cash money right here. They don't even know what to do with that. They're like, sir, it's all right there. Yep, it's all right there. You can count it. I don't know how to count $48,000 cash. And the truth is, when you get to that point, you're like, that truck ain't worth 48000 why? Because you worked hard for it. But, but the point is you have the option. We got a mission trip to Honduras, Tegucigalpa, Honduras in June. How many want to go to that? And the day comes where you say, hey, listen, which you can register at the hub, but you say, hey, listen, I'm going to go. I don't have to raise money. Here's a check. I'm just going to pay cash. You want to go buy your house. It's, I don't need to finance it. No, I got money. You got money in the bank. Got money in the bank. Why? Because God has blessed us on how to be good stewards. And the truth is, it is not that hard. It just takes a little bit of focus and work. And so I'm saying this, there's a better way. And I am more committed to this than I have ever been in my life. So I have acquired some debt, just like many of you, you know, launching this church. And, and then what happens is you get a little bit of debt. It ain't that bad. We get a little bit of debt here. And car breaks down. I want to fix it. I'm going to buy a new one. And, and so this is what Phyllis and I committed this year. We're going to be debt-free in five years. We're going to be debt-free. I already told you, we got a plan. We're going to pay off our house. We're going to pay off all of our cars. In five years, everything's going to be paid off. And I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to say, I'm going to do the, I don't know, I'm going to do, shuck them as you, I don't know, man. I may, I may skip and bounce, I, I don't know. Why? Because I'll have walked in freedom personally. And so this is what I want to encourage us this morning. I, I didn't come here to preach to you this morning. I came here to ask you to go on a journey with me.
Let's go on this journey. But what would happen in Rosenberg if we had a church full of people that were debt-free with money in the bank and we say, hey, God, we're just going to bless your kingdom. We're gonna, where do you want us to give? Where do you want us to sow? What do you want us to do? Oh, you can do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine the glory God gets from that. Oh, you want to build a campus? Let's pay cash. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, we, we don't want to build? We want to help someone else? Oh, yeah, just give them 100 grand. Just, just go, go we're, going, we're going to help you. Here's some money to go and do what God's called you to do. You know, my vision is this. Well, can we one day give a million dollars to this city, inside this city? I just say, hey, we're going to sow a million dollars into all the ministries. I mean, it would be awesome if that road or a road we drove by, say, oh, yeah, church paid for that road. Financing government projects. Why? Just because we can? But you can't do it if you're broke. And so there's four prayers that I have been praying that I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Four prayers that I think are going to help us and I know will help us get out of debt. The first one is this. God, help me to put you first in my life. And what I'm talking about here is really financially. God, help me to put you first financially in my life. See, if we want God's help, we got to do it God's way. So you want God's blessing in your life, but you don't want to do it the way God wants us to do it. It's not going to work. I don't know about you, but I'm not good enough, smart enough, blessed enough to get out of debt. I, I desperately need God's help. I need his blessing. I need his wisdom. And so God, help me to always put you first. Look at what Malachi chapter 310 says. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Blessing. God, I need your blessing in my life. And, and really, it's about the tithe. And, and I've talked about it here at the church. You know, we don't pass offering plates and buckets, but don't, don't mistake that for us not valuing putting God first. We say, God, you are first. That's what the tenth is when we give tithes. It's giving God our first and best. The first 10% of my increase, God, I give you. So the moment I get paid, so here at the church, what I do, the moment I have that money in my uh, bank account, I text to give. Why? Just because it's simple. And I text it and I say, God, bless that. God, I'm asking you to, to, I'm putting you first in my heart. See, it's not about the church needing the money. It's about you needing the blessing of God. See, as people, we were born with a curse, and it's his system that breaks the curse. Someone would say, well, well why, why would God curse people that don't put him first? It's not that he would curse them. It's that he's not going to remove the curse. And when we're blessed, he removes the curse that's on our life and says, I'm going to bless that 90%, whatever it is you give. And God, I need you to bless this 90% to go further than I could have ever made it go on my own. And so for me personally, I've tithed since I was like 10 years old. That's not even an issue. That's... I don't even look at it. It's kind of like when they take taxes and all your medical out of your paycheck. You don't even see it. I, that's the way I'm with taxes. But for me this year, you know what it was? It was the legacy. So every year we have our legacy offering and legacy team and we're giving to extra projects, how we bought the properties, how we're rehabbing it. And I felt in January this call to be debt free and Phyllis and I were praying about it and I said, I feel like God's telling us to give more than we've ever given. I'm gonna be a top giver here at the church. I'm gonna outgive all of y'all. That's my goal, I'm just telling you. This church ain't my source. God's my source. And so we just committed. So we started to give legacy. So I do my tithes. I text legacy. And then here's the thing that, that happened. The moment we started doing that, God just rained down glory from heaven. No, I'm just joking. Gold dust started to flutter and flutter. Started to collect it. 
No, no. You know what happened? And we had bugs at our house. I had to spend $1,200 to exterminate some bugs out of my house. My air conditioning and my car broke down. You know what else happened? My refrigerator broke. And so there's this attack. This is why you got to know it. There's an attack from the enemy on your finances, and he knows that if he could trip you up, you're not going to keep God first. See, it's not about the tithe for me. It's like, God, it's the extra. But God, I'm trying to pay this debt down. God, I'm just, no, 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 no. Devil, you are a liar. You are defeated. We're going to whip your tail, and I'm going to be debt-free anyway. And that's what has to happen with us. It's like, God, so that's the whole prayer. God, I need to put you first in my life. God, in every area of my life, if it's tithes, listen, I, I challenge you. Start tithing. I give you a 90-day money-back guarantee. You start tithing today and giving God your first and your best, and if in 90 days he hasn't blessed your socks off, you can get all your money back. I'll give back to you. That's how much I believe in it. God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to give you the best. Look at what Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Somebody say, I'm trustworthy. Say it again. Say, I'm trustworthy. And whoever is dishonest with a little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, what's worldly wealth? Man, it's just what the resources God put in my hands. He says, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who's going to give you property of your own? So really it's about faithfulness. God, you're looking for faithfulness in my resources. It's in my hands, but it really belongs to you. Why? Because he has a plan for our life. He knows what we can steward, and he knows what he needs to put. The deal is, here's the challenge. So many people, they, they eat the seed. God gave it to you, and we just consume it instead of giving it out. God, I'm going to give it out. Why? Because I'm planting seed. Why? Because you're bringing a harvest. God, I'm going to give it out. I'm going to listen, and I'm going to obey. God, help me to put you first in my finance. Second thing is this. Here's my prayer. God, help me to have self-control. <clears throat> Anybody need self-control? Anybody need self-control? I know, I, if you're me, I need self-control. You never really see how much self-control you need until you got kids. Because they'll make you a little crazy. And so I, even this last week, it was just last week, my kids have been taking them hunting. And it's been fun. We killed some hogs. We killed some squirrels. And yes, we even killed some bunnies. I mean, we just had a good old time. Mama wasn't happy about the bunnies. But we had a good old time. And my boys are just having a blast. Bought them some guns and Last week, I come outside in the back, and they've got some friends, or a friend in the backyard, and they're back there. They're kind of giggling. How many know you can tell when your kids are doing something wrong? They're like, what? What you doing, boy? Oh. They kind of put something down. They said, I said, what's going on right here? Oh, nothing, Dad, nothing, Dad. I said, and then I asked the friend. How many know if you want the truth, you ask the friend? <laughs> Simeon, what's going on? Hope your parents not in here. He's like, well, we were shooting this pellet gun at the birds that are on the roof. And so my boys have been wanting to go bird hunting. And I'm thinking, okay, well, we can go bird hunting, but we're not going to do it in our neighborhood. Like, let's don't shoot birds. Yeah, they're like, well, but we, we're not going to miss. Like, we, we got this. We're going to aim it. And, and so they've been shooting at these birds. And, you know, pellets, I'm thinking broken windows, car damage, all these things. And I'm like, guys, you should absolutely not be. You know how it is. You start chewing on your kids. And uh, Carson's like, Dad, please, please. He's got the gun pointed. Dad, please. I said, no, absolutely not. And then he does something that I've never seen done before, but he actually hands me the gun and says, okay, you do it. <laughs> you know where this is going. I'm like, no, absolutely not. How do you cock it? 
true story. <clears throat> oh, Mr. Kyle's. And then Simeon steps up. Oh, Mr. Kyle's. He does puts a pellet. I said, I said, man, no, absolutely. We're not going to do it. Like if we miss, dad, you're not going to miss. Dad, you're not going to miss. Come on, you got it, dad. And now they're all cheering me on. I mean, you know, I'm, no, I'm not going to do it. Dad, you can do it. You can do it. And I shot at the bird. It's terrible. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> Peer pressure caused me to slip. It was so dumb. I literally, right in that moment, said, guys, I'm so, I did not have self-control. But think about how many times we slip in financial debt. Right? We, we, people are saying, oh, but you can get the new car. You get the new house. You deserve it. You deserve it. And, and really, it is this slipping into debt. It's like, oh, I made a bad decision. But the problem is you can stumble into debt, but you're never going to stumble out of debt. And so really it's about self-control. It's like, God, help me to say no. God, i got to learn to say no in my life. I just help me to really have the discipline. And Proverbs 25, 28 says it like this. A city whose walls are broken down is like a person who lacks self-control. God, I don't want to live my life with broken walls where the enemy can devour. Because that's what's happening, right? When we don't have self-control, the enemy is attacking our lives and he's devouring our resources. And he takes them away. And so basic, it's like, God, I just need self-control. And that's the beauty of being a Christ follower. Now, I know everybody in here is not a Christ follower. And there's some of you coming to check it out. But that's the beauty of the power of God on the inside of us is that we make a demand on his spirit, his presence. That's what Galatians 5.22 says, right? Said, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit. Then, Lord, you produce the fruit. And we, we know it as the fruit of the Spirit. If you've been in church for any amount of time, it's God producing me the fruit of the Spirit. You probably say it with me. Love. Come on, say it with me. Joy, peace, patience. Come on, let me hear you. And what's the last one? Self-control. Now, we don't always get to that because we're just trying to work on the first one. Lord, give me love. And we, <laughs> we spend a lifetime right there on love. It's like, God, I, I'm trying, Pastor Zay, I'm trying to help you. No, no, get to the end, self-control. Why? Because there's a better way for us to live. Why? Because God wants us to live that life as a city that's fortified, that when the enemy comes to attack, the walls aren't down because we've lost self-control. The walls are up, that we're safeguarding what God has entrusted to us. See, God's going to hold us accountable for what he has given to us. God, give me self-control. The third thing that I'm praying in my life, personally, is God give me wisdom and God give me knowledge. God, I need wisdom. God, I need knowledge. I need your understanding. See, look at what it says. Actually, in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3, it says, By wisdom a house is built. And it actually goes on and says, By understanding it is established. Then look at what it says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So what we understand is this wisdom and knowledge are two different things. Knowledge is the information I need to study to get practical tools and tips and tricks. And that's where you go to DaveRamsey.com. That's where you go to Financial Peace University. That's where you begin to study about compound interest and you learn things. But then wisdom says, okay, you got a lot of information. How do I apply it in my life? So you got to have both. you got to have knowledge and you got to have wisdom. you got to say, okay, God, give me the information that I need so that I can make good decisions. And then give me the wisdom to make the right decisions in my life. So here's, here's an example. I want you to get some knowledge this morning. So the average household has credit card debt that averages about just over $16,000. 
And most, I, I did the study, it was 2.1 credit cards per household. So it's two to three credit cards. Now, I'm not talking about your boat. I'm not talking about your house. Anything else. I'm just talking about credit cards. So here's how you have to know compound interest works. See, those banks don't finance you those things hoping they make money. They make a killing. In fact, look at what happens. If you were to pay just the minimum on that $16,000, it's $250 a month. That's at 19% interest. In most credit cards now, it's crazy. It's like 22, 25%. Let's just say 19%. Did you know that it will take you 40 years to pay it off? And you will end up paying over $105,000 in interest. That's what that $16,000 is really going to do. That free money, how I many know it ain't so free? And you got that noose surrounding it. Now check this out. That same $16,000, look at this. If you will invest that $16,000, just a one-time investment, and you were to just get an average of 12% interest over 40 years, I'm going to invest sixteen grand, put it in place, it's about an average 12%, which probably do over 40 years. You're going to see $1.5 million in the bank. Come on, man, I'm doing a happy dance. $16,000. Now, here's how you could even take it a step further. If you took that same $16,000 and you made an initial investment, 12% interest over 40 years, but you paid an extra $250 a month for that 40 years, you will have more than $4 million in the bank. Think about this. If I was 18 and did this, by the time you are what? Somebody do the math. 58. I don't need Social Security. Why? Because I've done it God's way. I don't need a government handout. Why? Because I did it God's way. See, compound interest can work for the kingdom of God as well. And then your money starts working for you. It starts working for your family. Now you've got an inheritance. That's why the Bible says a wise man lays up an inheritance not only for his kids, but for his kids' kids. We've got to see there is a better way for us to do life. God, give me knowledge and give me wisdom. And then here's the last part. God, would you just help me create a plan and then help me to work that plan? <clears throat> God, give me a plan and help me to work it. Proverbs 21.5. Look at what it says. It says, the plans of the diligent leads to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent. Everybody say plans. Say it again. Say plans. Plans, plans of the diligent, leads to profit. What kind of profit? Man, it's whatever you're aiming at. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. You fail to plan, you're planning to fail. I mean, however you want to say it. So you got to say this. Listen, I'm going to take this word, and I'm going to go out, and baby, we're going to get us a plan together. Now, I ascribe to Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. We actually have a Financial Peace University small group on Monday nights, and so, I mean, I'd encourage you, get in there, learn the things. But here's just basically what he says. First thing you got to do is you got to cut up all your credit cards. Anything that you're going to spend money on, put money, first put money, $1,000 in emergency fund. Everybody say $1,000. Put an emergency fund and then cut up all your credit cards. That way, if something happens, you got $1,000, it's in the bank. Cut up the credit cards and then aggressively attack the debt that you have. And it's called a snowball debt plan. And so what that means is you attack the lowest payment or the lowest debt that you have. Maybe it's $2,000. Maybe you got a $2,000, $5,000, $10,000. You attack the $2,000 of debt. 
while continuing to pay everything else off. And then once that $2,000, the smallest debt is paid off, you apply that money that you were paying on it to the next highest debt. Then you keep applying it, you pay that off. And then after a while, you've got all this money that's being applied to the next greatest debt that you have in life. It builds a snowball effect. And before long, you pay off your debt off. And so you've got to attack the debt that's in your life. Cut up the credit cards, attack it. And then the next thing you need to do is you've got to create a savings plans for three to six months. You've got to say, okay, how much would it take for me to live for three to six months and put that in a savings account, put cash money. It's about $15,000 for most people. Put it in the savings and say, okay, I'm not going to touch it, but it's going to be there. And then you just, uh, you start to invest your money. You start to invest in college funds. You start to invest in IRAs. You start to invest in the stock market. And that's basically the four, there's seven principles, but that's basically the plan of attack that you do and you say, man, I'm gonna be aggressive. I'm gonna build a plan. I'm gonna work the plan. Why? Because I don't wanna live with stress in my life. Can I get an amen? I'm not gonna live with stress. See, you can stumble into debt, but you're never gonna stumble out of it. And this is what my goal is this morning. Can we get the weightiness that we're feeling? And I know some of you, you probably didn't even know the weightiness or why you were feeling the weightiness in your life. And the reality is you're starting to say, okay, God, I understand that I can come to church all day long. I can pray and have a great time in prayer and read my Bible. But the truth is there is some weightiness to my life that I added to my life. You didn't add to it. But I can also strip it aside. I can lay it aside and I can choose to say, no, I'm getting out of this and I'm going to live the life that God's called me to live. 